welcome to another Capital EA After Five podcast series. My name's Ursula Kohler. I'm founder and director of Capital EA, and I am super excited to be talking to the wonderful Nick Ginsberg, who's joining us today. Welcome, Nick. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, Nick, to start with, how are you coping in Melbourne at the moment? What's your routine? <laughs> Okay. And getting fresh air. Yes. So coping fine in Melbourne. I mean, lockdown is never an ideal situation, but I'd much rather be in lockdown than have people get sick. So I'm happy to sort of sacrifice some freedom. What I'm doing at the moment, so routine is really important for me. So I still wake up at the time that I'd normally wake up when I was going into the office. So I'm still getting up at 5.30 in the morning. I'm a morning person. So that's not too early for me. Um, and I usually actually cycle to work. So my office is about 12 k's away from my house. So I usually cycle to work and back home again. And what I'm doing during lockdown is actually cycling like just over halfway um, and then oh. turning around and coming home in the morning. So I'm still getting out, still getting fresh air, making oh, sure it's all within the law. <laughs> Yeah, fabulous. No, that's really nice. And it's good to know you've got a routine and you're sticking with it. Mm. I think that is important, isn't it? Just to feel like there's still some normality about your day. And and yeah, and I think it's, I think it's really important to working at home as well. I mean, when I remember the first sort of week being at home this year and I didn't do that. I didn't cycle. I was waking up just before I had to sort of come online. And what I found was I was so scattered and uh, mm. kind of working insane hours when I really shouldn't be. Uh, I was I was sort of working, so I generally start working about 7.30. So I was working 7.30 till, and I'd log off at like 6 o'clock to cook dinner and it's like, I don't do that at the office. Why am I doing it here? And so I... And, I hear that yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so putting that routine in place and making sure that I get up and walk away from my desk and sit down on the couch and have lunch and just watch an ep of something so that I'm actually sort of got 20 minutes to 45 minutes just sitting away from work in the middle of the day and then making sure that I'm logging off at 4.35 o'clock. I mean, obviously, as always, I'm still available for my executive after that, but I'm logged off. I'm not sitting at my desk still working away because you just drive yourself into the ground so fast. Yeah, no, good idea. I know I've, um, I did a stint as well where we, we sat at home and, you know, worked out how we're going to get through this. Mm. And I did the same thing. I, I got stuck into Yellowstone. <laughs> uh, My husband loves it. Yellowstone. <laughs> I, I got some completely hooked and I did that too. I thought I'm going to, I'm going to watch an episode. I'm going to break away from my desk and it made a big difference. So yeah, good old, good old Stan and Netflix have saved us, haven't they, through this period? Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm now, I know this is digressing, but we've now dived into Amazon Prime video. Oh, oh it's so good. So we've just watched an amazing series called Hunters, which is about Nazi hunters in the 70s. It's, oh. it's mostly fiction, but it's very, very, very good. Oh, I'll have yeah. to look that one up. Yeah. And, and certainly our followers might like a little tip on that too. Yes, exactly. That's great. All right, Nick, so tell us now, you've been in EA mm-hmm. for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. And, and you're working currently and having this side hustle as you're coaching, mm-hmm. you're speaking, and you're doing various things in the community for the EA sector. Tell us when you started out to being an EA. Yeah, so 
I had a non-traditional path into becoming an EA and it was very deliberate. So I started at Monash Uni about eight and a half years ago and started in finance just as a kind of an admin purchasing officer, then realized very quickly that I wanted to be an EA for senior management at the university. And I thought, okay, well, how do I get there? What do I need to do to get to that point? And so I sat down with a friend and we mapped it out. And I went and I did a cert four in HR, moved into HR because I knew it would give me broad experience. I was essentially working as an EA to the HR business partners, although that wasn't my title. And then I sat and I waited for the right role. And that role came up about, oh God, I don't know how long ago it was now, maybe four and a half years ago, five years ago. And I remember the first like week I was in the role going, holy heck, this is everything I wanted it to be and more. And I've never looked back. Like it's, it's just such an amazing role for me. Love it, love it, love it to death. So that's what I, so I've been doing that for sort of four and a half years, worked my way up. I now support uh, the provost and senior vice president at Monash Uni. So all of the deans report into him and he's got all the faculty and research responsibilities. So it's a big role. Yeah. My day job is busy, uh, very busy, but my side hustle is something I've been working on for a long time. Uh, It may appear like it's just sort of popped up this year, Uh, but it's been a long road sort of behind the scenes to getting this going, which is something I've always wanted to do. Oh, it's fabulous. It's so fabulous. And, you know, I having come from a, an area where I started my business as a side hustle, I can totally understand how difficult it is to get <laughs> both going at the same time. And um, a lot of hours, a lot of time, yeah. but a lot of passion ultimately. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you couldn't you couldn't see it through unless you're really passionate about it. So it's lovely to see that others out there. Yeah, and that's it. And I find so the most common question that I get asked is how do I do my day job and my side hustle? So I do a lot of coaching. I speak uh, a lot at various events. I run workshops, and so people ask me how do you do all of that? And mm. my answer has always been: first of all, I'm really good at time management. So that is one of my biggest strengths. Finding the most efficient way of working across all areas of my life is such a big passion for me. But also I'm really passionate about both. So I'm really passionate about my day job and I'm really passionate about my side hustle. So neither feels like draining work. Mm -hmm. So, So it's just like, it just happens. I mean, I'm working long hours but the reward that I'm getting out of that is so good. Yeah, it must be. And it, it feeds into one another, doesn't it, really? Yeah. You, know, you can you can pick up something in the office and think, oh, that could be something I need to talk about, the community about, you know, something that I've just come across. So you've sort of got content as you go, don't you? You know, you're creating content with the, the day-to-day life that you have. Yeah. You know? And and it's interesting. So I also run the Monash Uni EA network. So we've got 200 odd people in that. And when we're all at university and we're all kind of on campus, um, there's lots of stuff that comes up from that where I can spot needs in the community. And I think, well, if we're experiencing that, then surely other people are experiencing it. And so it's really just sort of building on that and taking it to a, a much broader audience. And it's it is working really well. 
And did you notice, Nick, I, you know, I found that there's a lot of questions about the private sector versus public sector for us in Canberra. It's a really big thing. But in terms of Monash University and, and you're doing this work, have you noticed that you've you've tapped into things that you wouldn't have ordinarily tapped into, such as, you know, Canva and all these yeah. different software programs and tech stuff that you may not have actually been able to, hadn't had the need to tap into if you didn't have this side hustle? Have you found that or were you using all of those programs anyway? So I was using most of them anyway, but I operate very much from a sense of how can I make my life easy? Right. And so I've, I'm always looking at new technology and new tools that are out there to make my life easier. And so I was using most of those, but Canva for one wasn't one that I'd come across it and had a little bit of a play, but it wasn't until I really dived into my side hustle and really actually started my Instagram and my website where I dived into that fully. And it is honestly one of the best tools out there. Mm. Canva is so phenomenal, like so phenomenal. I do, I would say 90% of my Instagram stuff in there. Most of the stuff on my website, I pre-built in Canva and then transferred it over. There's such a great tool. But the interesting fact, so public sector versus private sector, what happened is when, so when Michelle Bowditch, Rhiannon Ward, hilariously from Canva, and um, and myself did the Techspert Summit at the beginning of this year, I had had like, a, I would say I was dipping my toe into the private sector before that, but that summit just changed everything. So wow. it opened me up to a bunch of people that I, I probably wouldn't have been able to reach before. And it's taught me so much, not so much the summit, but the people I've connected with following the summit around the, the private sector EAs. Because I, I, you always think if you're in one and not the other, you know what the other's like. Mm. But there are quite different focuses and needs in the different sectors, whereas I hadn't appreciated that fully until I really got to see that. And it was so amazing for me to be able to see that fully. And now I would say I'm very heavily in both worlds. Yeah, fabulous. And, you know, it just takes that that courage, doesn't it, to, to step out of your comfort zone and, and give something a go. And I, I think I saw a few lead-up um, stories, you know, before that tech summit, and unfortunately I couldn't get to it, but I would have loved to have been involved. And I noticed that, that you know, there was sort of nerves and you were mm. expressing like, oh, I'm, I'm so nervous and this is going to be really bad. And, and, you know, didn't it have about, well, how many people joined? So we had over 900 register. And live, so it ran for six hours with various speakers and we had around four to 450 on average live um, nice. on there from around the world. We had people in New York, in LA, in Paris, oh like, and so many people watched it after. So anyone that registered got the recordings. Right. And, I mean, for me, in Australia, I was already building my brand and what I was doing. But to have that catapult me internationally mm. is phenomenal. So, yeah. That's fabulous, isn't it? And how did you plan for something like that? You know, what, what did you do? Did the three of you get together and say, 
look, we'll, we'll have this chat and we'll, this is, you know, did you put, perform a, put together a session plan or yeah, what did you do? Yeah. So yeah. what happened, it, it actually, and I'm, all three of us have spoken about this um, previously. So apologies if anyone's heard this story before, but we, so we all jumped on a Zoom call. I'd known Michelle through social media and I knew Ree as well through through LinkedIn, but we hadn't really ever worked together. And we jumped on a call to talk about how to help people transition from working in an office to working from home because it was such a big jump for so many EAs. And so we're brainstorming ideas. And I said on this Zoom call, look, I know this is crazy and just hear me out, but what if we do sort of a, I called it a half-day conference. Right. And then Ree jumped in and went, we, it could be a summit, we can look at this. And then Michelle was like, yeah, we've got these people, these people. And so the three of us just ran with it from there. And I think, and I've forgotten because it's memory like a sieve, but... I think it was really short after that that we actually launched it, maybe 48 oh. hours. <laughs> and in that time, we built a website. So Ree had built the website for us. We were out promoting it. And we thought, look, if we can get 50 people, we'll be stoked. And then we, we smashed that. But then our main goal, we were like, okay, 200. And Mish was the one that was actually super passionate around, we can reach for the sky. So I, Rhea and I were a bit more kind of modest in terms of how many people we were hoping to reach. She was like, no, 200, 200 is amazing. And we smashed 200, then we smashed 500. And then we just went, I don't even know. And then just before we, we, the event went live, we hit over uh, 900. And Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. And let me tell you, I am nervous before everything that I do that's public. So anytime I go to speak, so before this podcast, I was nervous. Before I do my weekly videos, nervous. I think it is such an important thing. If you're not nervous or you don't have that kind of butterfly energy, you've, you you don't have that care behind it anymore. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. Look, Looking back, and I know that you mentioned you had a friend sit down with you and you mapped it out how you were going to you know get to this this EA role that you're really keen on do you remember what you were mapping out mm. and how you kind of sat down was that a, a long-term friend that you know you knew would tell you if it's you know something stupid crazy whatever mm. or was this someone that you thought they'll give me the guidance that I need so it was my friend Helen who I'd met at Monash so we'd only really been friends for maybe eight months, eight, nine months. So it was a very new friendship, but I knew very early on that she was incredibly honest and was and had good intentions. So if she told me that something was a bad idea, it was because it was actually a bad idea, not because she didn't want me to pursue it because of various other reasons. So when we sat down, I was I said to her, I think that's what I want. That is the role I want. And she went, okay, so how do we get you there? And I was like, well, I think these aspects of my current role tie nicely into the EA role in terms of support. So support that I give various stakeholders. I can make that linear connection. And she's like, yes, but there's more to that. You need to look at the bigger picture. And we talked through that. We then looked at how do I get 
that bigger picture experience. So that university-wide experience where I can say, yes, I've dealt with that aspect of the university. And keep in mind, Monash is huge. We're the largest university in Australia. So there are a lot of staff. There are a lot of areas, little pockets of the university, and I needed to make sure that I was across all of those to put myself ahead. Mm. And so she was in HR, so she's a HR business partner, and she said to me, I think you need to, let's look at HR, let's get you broad experience. You can go in as a client support officer, essentially an EA, um, to the business partners, and that will give you good experience. And I was like, let's go. And so I signed up for the 16-week whatever it was, cert for uh, in HR, got it, got my first HR job. And then from then it was just eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was about four years or three years. Yeah, okay. And did you find that um, you needed to connect with, you know, mentor or coach continuously to keep you on that track? What kept you going, like other than passion? Yeah. You know, what helped you continue on that journey unless it is just passion I don't know so for me so I've my biggest flaw is that I think everybody thinks and acts like I do I have always been very good at being self-driven so I knew that that's what I wanted and I'm I'm also really good at reading the room so I can understand sort of what's happening what I need to know I kind of tap into that and I've always sort of done that ever since I was a kid and so I was really good at understanding that myself. However, looking back, if I had have had a coach or a mentor, which I didn't, that would have changed everything for me. I think I would have been, I, I maybe would have got there faster, but maybe a different path. Mm-hmm. Because I've always had, and I'm very honest about this, self-doubt is a big thing for everyone, but for me, especially at times, it's a, oh, I'm not good enough. I should just wait. And so if I had have understood now what I knew, or if I, if I understood mm-hmm. now what I know now back then in terms of what, what I'm good at, what I can bring to the table, all of that, and I think a coach would have been able to sort of drag that out of me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it would have changed that a little bit. But yeah, I wouldn't change my path now, but it is something to look back on and go, actually, that would have made quite a a difference. Yes, no, I can see that. And and it is the thing, isn't it, that we, um, I think it's it's a commonality between us all uh, as EAs that we have that self-doubt and Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing because there there must be a a psychological reason for it and, and that we get that kick out of doing the job that we do you get you know you you find that adrenaline kicks in and so you feel like you can keep going and Mm -hmm. you know you it's quite an enjoyable role for that reason um but we do have yeah a lot a lot of EAs I speak to and in particular across the community I find that we all have that bit of self-doubt which is interesting yeah Um, but it's great that I know what you're saying a coach can bring that out in you and you know, having that wing person along the way and encouragement mm. can make a big difference. Was there, you know, a time in your career and perhaps particularly in, in now running your own business and having this on the side that you, you know, found really, really difficult and, and thought, you know, this isn't, what am I, you know, this isn't for me either for the career or getting stuck being 
a lovely dream all the way through, you know. So there's been any setbacks where you thought, actually, I might go and be something completely different, you know? Oh, of course. Okay. And, and I, think, I think most people have setbacks. I'm too that almost derailed both going into being an EA and the side hustle. And I'll, t- I'll cover both of them very quickly. So the first one was me about six months before I got the EA role. I was working in HR. They'd gone through a restructure. I was placed in an area that I was not happy. Wasn't the type of work that I enjoyed. I didn't get to support anyone. It was very data processing. Like it was, I'm such a people person and I, I was removed from the people. So, oh, yeah. so that really had an effect on me and I applied for a few different roles that weren't EA, so I'd lost my focus and I didn't get those jobs and I interviewed and I, up until that point, had a really strong track record with interviewing. Once you get me face-to-face, I'm great. It's the, it's the CV and cover letter that uh, had been my weakness in the past. So... When I didn't get those jobs, I was like, what the heck? Like, I could be great in that. And then just how everything works and sort of fate. Not long after that, the EA role came up. I interviewed, I got it. Mm. So it was all about stopping and going, okay, I need to regain my thoughts. I wasn't meant to get those roles. Why wasn't I meant to get those roles? What is it that I love about my career so far? Do I still want to be an EA? Yes. Okay, great. Let's just wait. Mm. So that was that was number one. Then when I started, so my personal branding journey, which covers everything, not just work, started a few years ago. And the thing that I struggled with was inserting my personal self, so my outside of work, Nick, into everything I do. Mm. That was really hard. So I had I had previously kept quite a good distance between the two. And if you got close to me at work, you would hear about my personal life, but I couldn't do what I do on Instagram and in my weekly videos now, say 18 months ago. Mm. Okay. And it took a lot of work around... And this was, I have a great, I call them my personal advisory network. So I have a group of friends that I bounce ideas off and they tell me yay or nay. My friend Helen, who helped me sort of on my journey in the beginning, she's in that. Erin uh, Barry, who's a phenomenal EA in Melbourne, she's also in it and a few others. And it really took me bouncing those ideas off them to get the self-confidence to go, okay, maybe people do want to hear the whole picture. Mm, not, mm. not just this polished version of what I want the world to see. Also, at that point, I read a whole bunch of books from Brené Brown, who is just a goddess. Mm-hmm. Read all of that and went, holy heck, okay, I need to piece this together. And, you know, the interesting thing, the moment I did that, everything just fell into place. Right, so okay. So self-help, yeah, helped as well. So this beginning of this year, and look, I'm not a big haven't been in the past, I kind of, I guess I am now, a big self-help person. Like you wouldn't catch me kind of just perusing a a bookstore looking in the self-help aisle. That wasn't me. But I love Brene Brown. Mm. I loved her TED Talk. And so I started reading her books and she's just so phenomenal. And so beginning of this year, I was like, I'm going for it. 
I'm just going to go for it. And then the Tech Sweat Summit happened. And then so I created my Instagram and then started doing the weekly videos directly after that. And it has been the most amazing experience. Just so yeah, it and does it takes a bit of discipline, doesn't it, to look at those articles or publications and decide which one resonates with you as well. Mm. Uh, you know, it hasn't been because you know there's a lot of recommendations out there on the market, and I always think, oh, I should get around to reading that, or well, that might be interesting. And I, I quite like the audio versions of self help, so yep. even listening to podcasts like this. Are, helpful in that just understanding that there's others that are embarking on journeys where they've had side hustles or they're looking into doing that, particularly in this year of COVID, you know. But it's been interesting. I've I haven't ever read something from, you know, cover to cover. It's been more of an audio solution. But I do I find that they are helpful, even if you listen to snippets. Mm. And to get that little bit of encouragement or that bit of information that you know that you're along the right track, you know, yeah. the right thing it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, and this is getting quite deep, but one of the things that I really resonated with, with Brene Brown's work was she talks a lot about the vulnerability in joy. So feeling joy. Mm. And so one thing that I used to do a lot, and I still do a little bit now, I'm working on it, is those really joyful moments, so where you'd achieve something amazing or something great would happen to you, you almost rehearse the disaster. So you'll have a, a moment of joy and then instinctively your body brings you back. So your mind will bring you back and go, oh, but what else could happen? Like when's the opportunity going to drop? And once I worked on that and realising that it's I actually don't care if the other shoe drops. I just need to enjoy this moment. It fundamentally changed how I looked at things. And I can I can now say I'm really proud of XYZ that I've done and I'm amazed at how this has turned out, whereas I couldn't have said that two years ago. Mm, so true. The mind generally thinks in a negative pattern, doesn't it? And, yeah. Um, it's always about turning it round to the positive every time. So, yeah, that's very true. I like that. And it's great to know that you're, you're on that path of finding that joy and, and continuing to find it in what you do, which is lovely. Yeah. Look, I've got three, two, three questions. So one is, what three skills do you think you possess that you believe are crucial to the EA role? <sighs> okay. <laughs> I love these questions because as soon as I get asked them, it's like my brain goes up oh, and switch off. Um, so it's no secret if anybody follows me, you will know what my, my personal brand is. So productivity, so being able to see efficiencies in work, I think is crucial and it's a skill set that I've got in being an EA. Mm -hmm. You can't go past relationship building stakeholder management, and so much, and the third thing is emotional intelligence. But those last two things are so heavily intertwined. Mm. Emotional intelligence is such a buzzword at the moment, and I'm kind of sad that it is because I would, I would rather people, because it gives people a chance to go, oh, I'm not buying into that because it's just a, a buzzword for now. Emotional intelligence is so key to being an EA. You need to be able to read the room. You need to be able to understand what is being said, reading in between the lines. You need to understand your 
sort of guttural reactions to, to certain situations. So understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling, understand why someone else is feeling the way they're feeling and why they're reacting a certain way. So much of our job is stakeholder management and to be able to do that effectively, you need to have good emotional intelligence. Absolutely. And it's it's something that can be learned, don't you mm. agree? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. There's so much myth around you're born with it or not. I did an Instagram live on this and so I think someone commented something around that, that you're either born with it or not. I don't agree with that. I think even if you're not born with it, and that's okay if you're not born with it, by the way, um, you can absolutely learn it. Mm-hmm. it but so much of it, sort of rests in, uh, this is a big, big topic, but so much rest of it within you being authentically you and understanding yourself as well. So the more, so you yeah, the more you understand yourself, the better you can understand others. And so there's so much work around that that you can do to better yourself in that arena. And it's, and it's why I love doing the coaching So, so much of my coaching is around productivity and really career progression, but so much of it sits within that authentic self-awareness, really driving people from that core. Mm. And I Mm. love it. Oh, look, you know, it's an important topic. And look, I think while some people are starting to practice it, it it does take a a bit of, a bit of time to, you know, conquer it Mm. and, and tapping into mindfulness and having that moment in your day to connect with being present can really help with emotional intelligence as well. You're, you're taking note of your emotions, which is really, really important and, as well. And just before we go to the next question, sorry, <laughs> the yeah. one thing around mindfulness, I really struggled with that. Now, I see I see a psych. I can't recommend talking to professionals enough. I don't have any mental health illnesses, but being able to talk to someone external is really important. So I was talking to him about mindfulness and my struggle with trying to calm my mind enough to be mindful, if you know what I mean. And he said to me, and it's the best thing that I've done. I started about six months ago. Practice mindfulness when you're brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. As you're brushing your teeth, you've got two minutes it's not about understanding how you're feeling emotionally. Brush your teeth and go, oh, that hurt or that pressure there or that's a bit spiky or what's that taste in my mouth? Like practice on that sensation. Mm, yeah, that's a good it Out of there. It's, it's, yes. it's life-changing. <laughs> yeah, no, and, I, I, you know, I started with just practicing it in the shower. You know, again, it's that routine. So every time you get in the shower, you need to think about things. And ours is always the five, four, three, two, one, very quick, you know, sensory mindfulness that I practice and every day. And you do get better at it, don't you? And switching <laughs> off and being being able to do it. And it does take practice, uh, as they say. So, yeah. oh, that's a great idea, Nick, brushing your teeth. That's a really good routine and, and taking stock of what that, I mean, how many of us, uh, you know, hoover through lunch and go, oh, God, I didn't even taste that, you know, yeah. because you're in such a hurry. So it's nice, even if you're eating the sandwich, actually take stock or, or your salad or whatever, you know, taking stock of what, what kind of vinegar you've got on a yeah. salad, it's important. So Rather than go, did I just eat? Yeah. I, I can't remember if I just ate. Did I eat? I know. Oh, that's what happens. <laughs> <Sorry for life. laughs> 
<laughs> it's a story of mine too. All right. So, and the last question I have for you mm-hmm. is, and that's a good one. What three items can't you work without? Oh, okay. So it actually is both for my work and personal. They're pretty much the same thing. So my iPhone. Oh, yes. Yeah. I have a semi-healthy relationship with my iPhone, I would like to say. Uh, <laughs> it, could be, it could be healthier, but I could not live without my iPhone and my Apple Watch, to be honest. The two go hand in hand. Also, I think... So I do so much work on the go, be it in my nine to five, I wish it was nine to five, be it my nine to five or my my side hustle, so my own business, that I could not work without a MacBook, so my laptop. Right, yes. So I just and you, pre- and you prefer the Mac over a, a um, PC product? Yeah, so I've always been an Apple boy, mm. uh, always. Uh, they just talk to each other so beautifully. My boss and I do a lot of communicating via text and he's got an iPhone so I can text on my laptop. Um, mm, yeah. That, that is a big plus for me and it saves me so much time during the day. So I, I'm not looking at my phone, not picking it up, not stopping what I'm doing. I'm just quickly replying and going back to what I was doing. Mm. Um, and then the other thing, yeah. isn't so much a technical sort of tangible thing but music. Mm, so... Nice. I listen to my music through Tidal, which is owned by my uh, Lord and Saviour, Beyonce. <laughs> Partially, she, and everyone else owns it as well. But I, I listen to music on Tidal and I have playlists that I listen to. I usually have one headphone in. It really gives me a good oomph to get stuff going. It helps me stay on track. Doesn't music just help in so many ways? I know we can't survive without the radio on and we're, we're old school in here. Like we listen to 2CA. <laughs> And honestly, we've got all the old 70s hits going. But I love it. They just make us boogie. You know, we can yeah. start moving around the office. And I think to myself, if we didn't have music, oh, we would be absolutely so depressed. But you know, and the thing is, if whatever you can do throughout your day to bring yourself some joy, mm. you add it in. Like, I, so at the moment, I love TikTok. And when I say at the moment, I've loved TikTok for about six months and am deeply obsessed with it, which is why my relationship with my iPhone is slightly unhealthy at the moment. Um, But anything that makes me laugh or tap my feet or want to sing, I'm in. So, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't think I've seen any TikToks on your stories yet. Are oh my you God. Yes. No, no. Okay. You may not have seen one. I posted and hopefully whoever's listening has seen this story because I got a lot of DMs after it. There is this amazing video of this cat walking with a cone on its head. I'll actually find it and post it again today. Um, <laughs> and I'll post it when the app gets launched as well. Just remind yes. me if I haven't done it. Just D- someone DM me. Um, it, is, it is so funny, Ursula. Like, I like tears rolling down my face, laughing. <laughs> and I would laugh at anything, but that really got me. Oh, hilarious. All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> we, need, we need to see this. Perfect. <laughs> well, look, Nick, it has been wonderful talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I've got so many notes and so many great little pieces of gold nuggets here that I'm going to share with our community. And what's the best way to get in contact with you if anyone's keen to? touch base with you. How can they get in touch with you, Nick? Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me. It's been a fantastic chat. 
You can reach me. My predominant platform that I use is Instagram, but I also use LinkedIn if you don't have that. So on Instagram, very easy to find me. It's just Nick Ginsburg, no spaces, no underscore. And on LinkedIn, I'm the same. So just Nick Ginsburg. So you can find me on both of those or jump onto my website, nickginsburg.com. Um, all my stuff there. But I have to say, I love hearing from people. So I get, I ask in every weekly video for people to DM me. And people never fail. So I can't wait to get the DMs from from your audience as well because I love it. I love chatting with people. Good. I'm sure they're going to grab that opportunity. <laughs> I love hearing from you. And this has been such a great informative session. So thanks once again, Nick. It's been wonderful having you. And hopefully we'll see each other on Insta. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.